uh, Skullboys. The Street Press Podcast with Sean Fraser. For a start, there are not enough white men doing podcasts. I've got to always support that when that comes along. I was talking to a mate today at a baby queue. We didn't cook a baby. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that yeah. was. I just want to thank you. Yeah, no, it was me. He wouldn't shake our hand until he finished putting on his glove. Imagine what he's like during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I got you here for the podcast after your big night last oh. night, so I'm stoked with that. I get a thrill knowing that you're doing what you're doing. That's good. Well, I don't know what I'm doing today. We're just sort of just winging it. Did you moon Kylie Minogue? Yeah. This is the Street Press Podcast. Hello, my name is Sean Fraser. If you've been here before, you know the drill. Uh, we're going to have an artist on soon. If you haven't been here, if it's your first time here, basically what we do is have a little bit of a chat, then we have another chat with someone from a band, and then we have another chat. So um, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? I really know how to sell, how to sell this thing. Uh, today, got a really special guest. His name is Jason Singh. He's from the band Taxi Ride. So that's their two biggest hits, uh, late 90s, those songs were released and if you live in Australia, they were uh, top of the charts, those ones. So uh, got Jason, he's coming on soon. We had a chat about music, about a bunch of things. We spoke about what it's like to play at Wembley Stadium. He's the first person I've had on the podcast to uh, play at Wembley. I mean, what an opportunity, <laughs> especially for an Aussie, young Aussie artist at the time, heading over to go and play at Wembley Stadium. So we get the goss on that. Uh, we talk about Taxi Ride actually uh, continuing without Jason. Um, so that's a bit controversial. And this podcast is not about any of that. It's not about trying to, um, you know, get clicks or try to get the goss on things like that. But we do uh, we do touch on Jason no longer being in the band and uh, what he's been up to lately and sort of how all that unfolded. We also talk about some of the new shows that are coming. He's got hundreds, hundreds of shows. It's crazy to think in 2023 and in 2024. So uh, he has a jam-packed two-year schedule coming up. He's also got this Heaven's Greatest Hits tour as well that we chat about and what it's like imitating the likes of Freddie Mercury, Elvis, David Bowie, you know, a lot of pressure. And we talk about a moment at one of the shows where uh, in front of a good crowd of a thousand people, he nearly knocked himself out. So, uh, not good. But hey, the show always goes on. It must go on. And uh, you'll hear that soon. So here it is, my interview with Jason Singh from Taxi Ride. Hello, mate. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No worries. How's your retaining wall? <laughs> Did you see that yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking better than it was, put it that way. I got the tools out over the weekend. The sun finally came out and I thought, oh, mate, tackle one of those jobs, you know, you know what it's like having tasks. I built a gate not long ago and um, that's about as far as I could go. I built this gate and it, and it swung and it, and it shut and it locked. All the things that a gate needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> Are you quite handy? Uh, yes, I am quite handy, actually. If I do say so myself, I can build and, you know, I like I like to build, actually. It's really good, apart from being able to look at what you made and go, yeah, I did that. It's good for my head space because it's great to just, I don't think about music or I don't think about gigs or songs or what, a lot of, a lot of the time when I'm 
in the like tinkering away with something, whether it's building a, a room or I built this studio that we're in. That's when songs come to me. You know, you've got a rhythmic compressor in the background or you've got some kind of there's a rhythm to it, you know what I mean? So I do get a lot of song ideas when I'm not actually instrument in hand. Very important to be able to shut it off, the creativity. I'm guessing a bloke like you, the ideas are always there in the head. Always good to have that avenue where you can, um, for some people it's cooking, but yeah. for you maybe, you know, building stuff around the house can just shut it off for a little bit. Absolutely. And, you know, there's always new things to try. And, you know, I love – during COVID it was um, – I, you know, the first year I just put the guitars away and got my tools back out, renovated the house, built this studio, just had a crack at almost everything, tiling and carpentry, plumbing, electrical stuff. I did, I just, I don't know, I just did it all. And I kind of enjoyed it for a little while. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, it's time to do some gigs again. I can see the studio. <laughs> You've done a bloody good job. Yeah, thank you. You can't really see all of it, but. It goes through to the other room there. There's a second room. Ah, oh, cool. It goes through too. That's the live room in there. And the and the piano. I love the colour of the piano. Uh, the piano is a good story behind that, actually. That's, um, that was the piano at my primary school. From 1979 to 84, 85, whatever it was. Um, and the primary school got, like, shut down and turned into, an, you know, like an old folks' home or whatever. And they principal at the time rang me up and said, I've, I heard you went to primary school here. Um, uh, you know, we, we can remember you tinkering on the piano. Would you like it? Wow. So I hired a Europe cart van truck and I went down to the school and I pushed it into the, <laughs> pushed it into the truck and tied it down, brought it back here and give it a coat of paint and I sit at it all the time and just muck around on it. It's, it's good. It's been in my life a long time. I love that story. That's really cool. A true story, yeah. And Mr. Bastion, who uh, lives is local now, I see him all the time. Is the principal who called me? Yeah, it's a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing journey it's had with me along the whole way. Have you written anything on it? Oh, it's got this really cool out of tune <laughs> thing, which is great for writing melodies. I mean, it's not out of tune. It's just got this this dissonance in itself that's really good for writing melodies and. Um, it, you tend to always sit sit at it and write one of those kind of piano. I'm not much of a player, so that plonky piano song. But yeah, no, I write it all the time. It must be must be so easy to just being able to walk into a, into a room in your house and and create something. Oh, look, it's great to have a workspace that's not in the house because um, mm. life gets distracting too sometimes. But, you know, as far as having a recording studio, it, it can be distracting too for the process. You know, it's like I've got lots of equipment here and get sent stuff and that can be distracting too. Like I always end up going back to the piano or an acoustic guitar before yeah. I get bogged down in trying to record something because, yeah, you lose the idea that way. And you're running uh, Pro Tools there in your studio. I know yeah. you back in the day used to do analog and stuff. Mate, <laughs> I did. And I learned how to use Pro Tools when it first sort of come out. And I've tried to move over to Logic because I love that sort of for songwriting logic's much easier to, you know, bring synths up and make sounds and stuff. But I just don't know how to use it as good as Pro Tools. I've also tried um, Luna, which is the Universal Audio DAW. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is supposed to just be like a like a tape machine, 
but I couldn't use that either. <laughs> so I got back on to Pro Tools because I know where all the I know where all the buttons what they do. Yeah, yeah. see, I find Pro Tools. I can't even tackle it. I I, I use Logic just because of the simplicity of it all. My MD Jeremy is a big on Logic, and I'm hanging to go on a big tour so I can just go right. I I want an hour lesson every day because I've seen people fly through it, and you know a lot of great music's made on the on the on it. So I wouldn't mind a piece of that action. I saw you wrote on uh, Instagram. You got hundreds of shows, twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four. You're planning on hundreds, was what you wrote. <coughs> yeah, twenty twenty three is pretty much planned out, and you know it's great to be in that position again because you know twenty years ago when the band came out, it was very much mapped out in a long, long lead. You know what I mean? And venues fill up, and I understand that now. Putting on big shows like Heaven's Greatest Hits, you're like you got to book them out. A year in advance so yeah it's going to be um, a big exciting year and it's full of like really different things for me it's like heaven's greatest hits is like massive spectacular big screens and full storyline as it goes along and then the 1927 tour that i'm doing 40 shows will just be me and an acoustic guitar is it just you and an acoustic guitar i know you've spoken before that you purely solo is a rare event. Very, very rare, yes. Um, I find it difficult to listen to someone like that, regardless of how good they are. To be able to hold someone in a show aspect for a long time, you you know, I'm not Ed Sheeran. I haven't got those tricks, you know what I mean? So the tour with 1927 is 40 minutes long and I'm like, that's a perfect thing to be able to play some of my hits and play some some new material but also to you know have a bit of a journey with Pete with the audience without it going okay it's the sound of an acoustic guitar strumming <laughs> away in the background you know so I'm going to try and make it as interesting with loops and and samples and stuff like that it's very intimate isn't it just you a guitar <laughs> and, a, and a bunch of people sitting there staring at you you've been doing this a long time do you, do you get nervous do you get scared of thinking about that next year um, no, not nervous. I mean, I'm excited to do the tour. I mean, I've got, I've got the songs and I've got, you know, I can play them. So, um, <laughs> it's just a matter of, yeah, just getting my head around the launch. I call it, you know, like when the band launches from one song into the next and the crowd and the whole energy comes with you, I've got to figure out that. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how I can make it. I'm going to have to, right? <laughs> <laughs> and 40 days, you must be hitting uh, everywhere in Australia then. Yeah, I mean, uh, we start in Perth. We go up like it's full national tour. It's one of the biggest that I've ever been involved with, actually. And now, obviously, Heaven's Greatest Hits. I've listened to some of it and, uh, geez, you do well at imitating all these uh, all these artists. And the artists that you're imitating, they've all got incredibly good voices. So it's a hard thing to do well and you do quite a bloody good job at it. Oh, thanks, bro. I appreciate that. It is a hell of a thing. Uh, vocally, it's the most demanding thing I've ever had a crack at. I mean, the second set alone is Bowie, Michael Jackson, Whitney, and Freddie Mercury. <laughs> so it, it is a, a huge challenge vocally. And I guess I, I these all these artists really taught me my trade, you know, so singing along to Michael Jackson and Prince and Elvis when I was this big, that's they're all part of me. I don't say that lightly either. I like literally believe that they were as integral in the raising of me as my family. 
what you say there is so true. You grow up like it's almost like these people are in your house. They're just coming out of your speakers. Yeah. But it feels like you do grow up with them, don't you? Well, you do because they wrote that in their house and then it's coming yeah. out in your house and there is a huge connection there. And My personality wouldn't be what it is today. I don't know where I'd be sitting if it wasn't for Prince, which is really weird. It's mm. just a musician from the other side of the world, you know, but like you said, like those artists and Michael Jackson and, and Prince alone, I mean, yeah, it's pretty, it's the best music of all time, which is also a joy to play and a challenge to play. But, yeah, I love going from artist to artist and sort of not imitating but it's almost like, I won't say channeling because that sounds naff, but it's just like it's a strange feeling because you do feel like they're kind of part of you in a way. When I'm when I'm um, hitting those notes and the crowd's along with me, they really do. I do feel like them for a minute. You know what I mean? I I would feel anyway a bit of heat just playing these artists and singing their songs because you know there'd be so many people coming to these shows going, "Who better nail Freddie?" Oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> at the end, you know, it's funny because I had a massive accident during that. Because what happens in the show is every, every one of them are sectioned into like 15 minutes at a time, right? And I recreated the newsreel from the day of their passing. So it starts with the room goes black and there's their iconic sort of pieces of clothing on the stage, Michael Jackson's, you know, glitter jacket, or thriller jacket, Freddie's yellow jacket, and a single spotlight appears on, on the look and the fashion of Freddie, for example. And, it, you know, we recreated the, the newsreel from the day saying that he's coming to you live with TMZ's reporting that, et cetera, et cetera, you know. And the crowd really rises there and and then we launch into 15-minute medley. So it goes verse, chorus, verse, chorus of, of every, like, massive song back to back. And the, we finish that. I uh, take a bit of a breath. But in the, in the Queen one at Palms on the 30th of September, I – got the big cape made, the Freddie cape, right? So in Bohemian Rhapsody, when it got to the midsection of Bohemian Rhapsody, which is, you know, bullshit, crazy vocal stuff, I was like, how are we going to do this, you know? like, So I started researching, going, what did Queen do? So we're finding all these videos on YouTube. Queen didn't even sing it. They had it playing just over the audio and they left the stage, the stage goes black and it's just us dressed as Queen. For just that one second, that's the only time we sort of dress up as them. But anyway, so in that time for the midsection, I leave the stage and go to the front of the venue, round the crowd without them seeing me, run all the way to the front of the venue where the cape's waiting and I jump in the cape and I'm entering from the spotlights come to the front of the venue and I enter from the front of the venue, right? So I've bolted around the venue, put the cape on, and I've said to my manager, where's the microphone? <laughs> and I left the microphone on the stage, no. right? So I had to bolt back <laughs> to the front of the venue. And as I was coming around the corner, the cape went under my foot. I went ass up, slammed into the door, <laughs> had this massive dint in, in my forehead, and then had to hit the notes is what I'm saying. So oh. I ran all the way back to the stage and... It's an exciting show. <laughs> you must be bloody fit because that would just that would be the end of me. Like I wouldn't be able to continue the show yeah. after all that running. Well, I am touch wood. I'm fit and healthy at the moment. I mean, yeah. for to put you in a mind frame of how much I put into the show for for 150 days prior to that performance, I 
trained and rode 25 k's every day. I rode about 7,000 k's um, in that time to be fit and ready for that one show. A hell of a lot went into it. And, you know, during COVID, that's what I rediscovered. Like before my first ever performance, man, I put a lifetime into that show and then had huge success and then slowly put less and less and less and less effort in as a lot of musos I know that were probably watching this do mm. as well. It took it for granted, really. Then the toy was snatched away and everyone was forced to go, shit, what do I do? I'm, I was like, what do I do this for? Built a studio while I was trying to think, figure it out and and figured it all out. I got to take it seriously now, really, really seriously. That just goes to show just how much you care. A lot of people wouldn't do that, wouldn't uh, do the fitness side of things and stuff. Well, it's all part of the show. It literally a stage time to me. Um, you're talking about some of the glory days. Yeah. Talk me through it. You really just shot right to the top. Taxi ride were just everywhere. An amazing time there at the late 90s. I mean, music was great in the 90s, man. I still listen to 90s rock, 90s music every day. It was a great, creative, um, exceptional time in music and it was all about bands. Very, yeah. very few solo acts. Uh, apart from, you know, Britney Spears and a few others that came through. And when you think about some of those bands, I mean, I still have 90s playlists like that I listen to while I'm doing anything pretty much. What are you, some of your favourite 90s songs on oh, there? Oh, dude, we could go on <laughs> forever. But I was a huge, huge rock fan then in the 90s, uh, Tool, Rage, Soundgarden, um, you know, they were like one, two and three. Were you trying to get famous? Or were you just trying to write good songs? Um, I'd say I'd say we were trying to write good songs, yep. but we knew that something good was happening, I guess, because the chemistry was all there. That's where the magic happens and um, chemistry is everything, you know, when you're, when you're making original music, I think, and playing original music. As soon as you change the ingredients, mate, the whole thing changes, so... So at that time, it, things felt really good. Um, songs were flowing. I, I spoke to the singer of Smash Mouth once, oh, and this is this, awesome, this is the man. reason. This yeah, this is the reason I sort of bring this up. And I was talking to him about songwriting and what he was thinking at the time. But his was the opposite. He was like, I think they were crafting that that sound. They didn't play at the pubs and stuff. Their no. first show was. Yeah. You know, it was a very commercial sort of setting, Smash Mouth. They were like, let's create something that's going to be a smash yeah, but hit. But you know why? It's because of that in that era and prior to that era was all about development, mate. So if an A&R guy saw something in the band and went, I'm signing this and I'm going to put two years into the development of the band. I'm going to put him in a studio. I'm going to get him you know, an eight track and they're going to develop songs until they're ready. Yeah. That was the difference. So by the time you're ready, you're fucking ready. There's yeah. no doubt about it. You know what I mean? And why would you go play at the pub? Because you got a hit song on the radio, you know, put yeah. me in the stadium. <laughs> so it's about the development. That's that's why it felt probably felt like for them, they wouldn't have signed the deal and then been, mm. you know, release All Star and then, you know, bang. Yeah. That record company heard All Star 18 months prior to that and worked it and worked it and worked it, developed, no, not yet, we're not ready yet, you know. It's really important. It doesn't happen anymore. Hey, you did bring up talk about stadiums and you were probably the first one on the podcast that I've had that's played uh, Wembley Stadium. Yeah. And I've seen the photo. 
Insane. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We actually played it twice. Yeah? Yeah. How do you G yourself up to go out and play in front of a crowd like that? I don't know. Because we were quite numb probably back then, you know, and we were just doing so much amazing stuff that it was very hard to take any of it in and um, and appreciate it at the time, I guess, you know. So, But I do remember A Current Affair flying a whole crew over to cover that story that, we, you know, we were playing there and, I remember getting there at Soundcheck. I had my my AFL footy with me. It's actually I posted the video, the the current affair thing on my YouTube channel. Okay, if anyone <laughs> wants to check it out. But um, I took a footy with me, and um, I remember standing on the stage, and you could see Wembley spelt out on in the chairs, and I was just like, "What? How can you top that?" You know? Yeah. I saw that photo just a couple of days ago. I've probably seen it before anyway, but uh, I just looked at it and I was just blown away. Like, it's just, it's it's hectic. Uh, that wasn't <laughs> even one of the biggest venues either. I mean, because we, yeah. we were playing with Tina Turner, man. She's like the godmother of, of soul and, and pop music. Um, so, you know, she was playing huge stadiums all over Europe and, and we were just sort of along for the ride. Been a... How do we describe the last year? There's obviously taxi rides in the news. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've answered plenty of questions about it. But <laughs> you know what? I haven't. I haven't really. I, I haven't really needed to. I don't think. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, the band's continuing. You're not in it. Um, that's the gist of it. Yeah. How, where is the situation there? Is it much of a situation? Are you happy to just head off this way and they're going that way? What's What's the deal? Oh, no, I wasn't happy to to head off this way. I'm I'm happy for them to go out and play the songs that we all created as Taxi Ride, mm. but don't call yourself Taxi Ride. I mean, I don't. I say it's Jason Singh from Taxi Ride. And you always have. And that's – I always have. A couple of times it's been misconstrued. People call me Taxi Ride on the street or whatever and um, it's just – yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's hard to talk about. It's um, It's been done in a, in a terrible way and it's not over yet, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, I suppose that was the next question sort of – do you see it getting resolved eventually? You oh, look, I see it getting resolved. Yeah, you know whether that means happy families again. I don't think so. Mm. Not after not after the treatment and and yeah, just the way it's the way it was done. It was like so stupid. But you know, I'm trying. I'm just trying to just keep continue to make music on my own, man. And um, I've got a new album coming out next year. I've got some huge things come, happening next year and I've just sort of just got to focus on that. And that was that was a great time in my life. It was Taxi Ride. Um, and I've done a lot since then and I've sort of, you know, I'm elevating again next year. It's just sad to watch something that I love so much not be as good as it was. It's fair enough to have those those feelings. But the positives of this year though, you yeah, and you've been pumping out a lot of music, haven't you? This year, you... a lot of gigs, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I actually did put yeah, out a record this year. I this forgot. Year. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I have. Like, because I think a lot of that whole taxi ride thing came up after COVID when I decided to go out and do some solo gigs. And I went out and played with my friend Jason Dean, who's an amazing piano player. Um, but again, it was a big discovery of all this great music that we made together that we don't play anymore so and you know when you got a, your first album be such a hit and it goes for 43 minutes and you've got to do a 90 minute show there's a lot of stuff that you put in the show to fill that time out yeah and you know we were selling like 150,000 singles and stuff like that so the songs on 
the singles, like if we, with Get Said, there was Voodoo Doll Sin and Splash. There were two B-sides that were just as popular, if not more popular, than some of the album tracks that the band had. And then as you put out a second record and a third record, you don't really need those songs anymore because you've got more singles and more album tracks. And, you know, the band refused to play them. So I just said, I'm going to go out and play them on my own and as well as my own solo material. And and then COVID struck and sort of turned, sorry, that middle lockdown. So it all got blown out again. But I was, you know, going out doing the tour. It was called Jason Singh Plays Taxi Ride, the hits, bits and beyond. And we worked them all up here. It sort of just happened when JD came over and I decided to record one. I was just going to put it on YouTube and... We just plugged in and recorded it like we did the tour and it sounded great. So we recorded another one and another one. Before we knew it, we ended up recording the whole show. So we just put it out. People that, you know, got cancelled or whatever and they could just check it out on Spotify or whatever. So Now, you said you're still writing. You're going to release something next year? Yes. Playing <laughs> on the old, on the, on the Mason? Uh, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll be, I really do like a bit of electronic stuff as well, so there'll be an electronic angle there. But, yeah, I've got the Maton here. It's now, not, this Maton's not, not yours, right? This is definitely not mine, <laughs> no. This is my mate Johnny Creases Maton. I don't really yeah. have – I've got a Cole Clark and I've got a yeah. Taylor, but I don't know, it just feels – that feels better. So he said I could just hang on to it till I've got myself another guitar. You're just going to keep writing out. You're going to keep writing albums and albums, and you'll you'll end up. I have to give him a cut of every song that I write. On. <laughs> um, I've got a Cole Clark. I love the Cole Clark. Do you? I just yeah. can't get when plugged in. I just can't get that. It could just be my paranoia about yeah. solo singers, you know, soloist acoustic guitar players. I might I might just be expecting too much out of the instrument. You know what I mean? What I love about the Cole Clark is how good it sounds plugged in to a PA. Right. I think it sounds better than a Maton, but that's everyone's got their own opinion on that. You're probably right there, but it's just the neck on the Maton that's yeah, not as that's... chunky as as the Cole Clark, and I just can wrap my hand around it a bit easier. It's funny you say that because <laughs> um, the Cole Clark gave me RSI. Did it really? Because you got that big, fat, <laughs> yeah. chunky neck. See, yeah. this one's yeah. like this one's a little a little slimmer, and I actually also bought this guitar, which I'm. Mucking around with for the tour of my oh. friend of my friend Marcel Humuni. It's an Ibanez, yeah. but it's a flat wound. So I'm just experimenting with this, and maybe it won't be. I won't be on an acoustic guitar at all. I might just play this instead. That's very flash looking. That one. It's a beautiful guitar. It feels great. So yeah, I'm still experimenting with the sound of what that 1927 tour is going to be. So I'm excited for that. I've got to get out to. To one of those shows, that'll be really cool to see you. Yeah, do it. Come and say good day. Well, I um back to the RSI. I I was on a like a, I was doing a support show and um I was playing the Cole Clark and I got off stage and there was a one of the musos there. I said, "Oh, feel my arm," and he felt my arm and he goes, "That's RSI." And I said, "Oh, okay. So, what is it? A day or two? And he said, "It's lifelong." Yeah, great. Oh. <laughs> Who, yeah, do I, who do you invoice for that? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh, well, Jason, thanks so much for jumping on the Street Press podcast. It's been no great worries. chatting with you. It's talking about all your uh, buildings around all the place. stuff. Gave you a bit of a bit of the inside bit of a, there. Hope you've bit of a tour of the studio. Hope to see you at one of the shows next year, 1927 or Heaven's Greatest Hits. Yeah, I could be at both. You should be at both. <laughs> They're very different from each other. 
I, I, I bet they are. Yeah. All right, Jason. Thanks so much for jumping on. No worries, pal. Catch you later, Take man. Take care, mate. Bye. All the best. Take care of that arm. This is Jason Singh from Taxi Ride um, and quite a well-established solo artist in his own right as well. Thanks so much, mate, for jumping on the podcast. We'll have to probably get you back on next year. Uh, I know you're going to be busy. Lots and lots of shows coming up. All right, it's time for this. Yeah, if you're a weekly listener, you know how this segment goes. It's called Letters. So you head to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. You can, uh, you can write on into the show. You can say anything you want uh, about, you know, the artists, about me, about the podcast, um, anything. You can just write it in. This one's from Daniel. And uh, look, I'm going to blush a little bit here reading this. (laughs) Um, He says, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. I have a go. Like I said, I don't like to call them interviews. I like to call them chats, but maybe I'm a good chatter. I don't know. Thank you, Daniel. He says, I loved the ones I listened to so far. Uh, It was Lindsay McDougall and the guy from Hoodoo Gurus. Uh, That was Dave Faulkner. He says, epic. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for writing in. I love talking music. Um, I love talking shit, really. Those who know me well enough, um, this is quite G-rated, this (laughs) podcast to the person who I actually am. But, Daniel, thanks for writing in. So if you want to hit up the letters segment for next week, head to thestreetpresspodcast.com forward slash letters. Also, there is a request button in there. You can get your requests in too. I've been firing off emails left, right, and center to the people that have been requesting artists, and I've locked in a few. So in the next few weeks, you're going to hear from them. To wrap up this year, don't forget my band, The Ritzy Kids. We are playing a headline show at the Sunken Monkey Hotel. That's this Friday, December the 16th. Kaylani Art. Artist is going to be opening the night. Star Generation are going to be on after them. We're going to be on about 8.30. Uh, you can get tickets from the ritzykids.com. You can also get them from the door. There are going to be some giveaways. Santa might be there. Every ticket, you get a, uh, a free beer on entry. And only for ticket holders, pizzas are going to be 15 bucks. So that's food, drink, a ticket to a show with three bands under 50 bucks. Would love to see you there. We're going to be playing new songs. Plus, our single that we released in December, Crank the Stereo. Um, Yeah, so come on out. Don't forget, we drop these episodes every single Wednesday. Who am I going to interview next week? Well, you'll have to find out. All right, I'll catch you then. Ta-da.